Using gerrymandering, voter suppression, and other nefarious tactics, the Republican Party has manipulated our electoral system to maintain as much control as possible despite being a party in the minority. Liberal Dan Radio seeks to change that, and I need your help in doing so. Liberal Dan Radio has partnered with Levelfield to help us use tools that are typically only available to big money donors. When you go to stopthecoup.liberaldan.com and make your contribution, it will encourage other voters to reach out to their legislators to pass legislation to stop gerrymandering and voter suppression and target elected officials who refuse to protect the vote. Every eligible voter should be able to cast a ballot, and that ballot should have the same power as everyone else. I can't do this alone. I need your help. So please go to stopthecoup.liberaldan.com and make your contribution today. That's stopthecoup.liberaldan.com. Stopthecoup.liberaldan.com. Political advertising paid for by Levelfield. Contributions are not tax deductible as charitable contributions. We are now actually live on Blog Talk Radio because I just remembered to unmute myself. So if you want to call in again, 914-803-4131, 914-803-4131. If you're listening live on Blog Talk Radio, you can always sign in with your free blogtalkradio.com account. Go to the thread page or the show page, episode page, I should say, for the episode, and you can leave your comments and questions in the chat room over there. Or if you're listening, l- watching live on YouTube, you could also do that. Join us at uh, youtube.com slash radio. Go to our current live as we're going on. And you can leave your comments and questions there as well if you don't wish to call in. Furthermore, if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can always leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc. on the show thread at liberaldan.com, facebook.com slash liberaldan, at liberaldanradio on Twitter, or here on YouTube. Also, leave comments on the YouTube video as well because it will remain up after the live is over. Uh, we have lots of stuff to talk about today, but of course, we start off each and every show with this week's headlines. Joe Manchin is trying to be convinced that leave leave paid family. I did not type this well. <laughs> Joe Manchin is trying to be convinced that paid family leave in the current proposal of President Economics Package. I'm having a rough one already. Joe Manchin's problem is working families getting help and not millionaires and billionaires using loopholes in our tax laws to get with paying much lower tax rates on investments and corporations not paying any taxes? Really, Manchin? Really? Unfortunately, there are some who will still blame Democrats for all this instead of the obstructionist Republicans who won't work together on anything that's needed for legislation to move this country forward. U.S. generals are concerned about a Chinese hypersonic weapons test, but at least it wasn't a supersonic test because the S is for super and the U is for unique. The P is for perfection, and you know that we are freaks. The E is for exotic, and the R is for rap. 
Anyway, in investment news, Marjorie Taylor Greene put as much as $50,000, according to disclosures, into a Donald Trump SPAC, or Special Purpose Acquisition Company. The value was skyrocketing before the shares then plunged. That she would invest Trump in a Trump company after his previous company bankruptcies just proves to show her lack of cognitive abilities. <sighs> Easy for me to say. Both the Louisiana governor and mayor of New Orleans eliminated the mask mandates for the state and city, respectively. Apparently, new cases are down. So this apparently justifies removing safe measures. By that logic, New Orleans has not flooded from the Mississippi River in a long time. I guess that means we can remove the levees too, right? A man was accused of sexually assaulting horses in New Orleans, and he is now also under arrest for suspicion of the same activities in California. Kashan Dion Baker was arrested by National Park Service Rangers. There's an old saying about leading a horse to water, but if you see this guy leading a horse anywhere, call 911. And that was this week's headlines. <laughs> hey, Doug, how's it going? Doug Cochran, I watched you for a minute, and the audience has increased by 50%. We sometimes have strollers that come in later, and we're still a growing podcast as well. If you want to join in and, and you know, if you agree with me or disagree with me, I welcome everybody in the chat to come watch Tell them, hey, come listen to Liberal Dan Radio, talk from the left, that's right, uh, every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Central, blogtalkradio.com slash Liberal Dan, or here on YouTube at Liberal Dan Radio. Um, the first, first thing I want to talk about is, before we get to uh, uh, one of the other issues that I wanted to talk about today, um, is there is a lot of discussion about vaccines and whether or not people should be taking vaccine, kids should be taking vaccine. I... I I, I played, I think it was last week or the week before, uh, my um, words of redneck wisdom, if you will, if uh, about, um, you know, somebody putting the, all of these things forward about the conspiracy theories about the vaccines. And they're crazy. I mean, from the graphene oxide, which is based on like one vial and one dose in one vial where there was no chain of custody. Uh, where you can't determine that there, that you know somebody could have just put graphene oxide in it and said here test this and okay um, parasites with the, uh, an expert on parasites said no what you're looking at is not an example of parasites um, lots of different conspiracy theories about this but one thing that I'll never do is I'm I'm not going to support a anybody being held down and forced against their will to take a jab if you're not if you you shouldn't be held down physically and restrained and forced to take a jab that's one uh now do i have qualms about you know well you can't go to these events that are you know non-necessary if you're unvaccinated or can't show a negative uh pcr test within the last three days fine i'm fine with that but that's not you being forced that's just you having to deal with the consequences of your choice if you choose not to get vaccinated or not to get tested there you go but another thing that, that I think is rather important is, you know, if you have kids right now between 12 and 17, inclusively, who can get the vaccine, and soon you'll, you'll be getting kids between 5 and, tw and 11, inclusively, that will also be able to get the vaccine as the approvals seem to have are coming down the pipe. So I, what I won't agree with is giving children their vaccinations without parental consent. So what happened? Here in New Orleans, there is 
a, a company called Oxner. Oxner is a health system. Oxner uh, likes to call itself a, quote, non-for-profit, not-for-profit not business. However, Oxner still manages to pay their board exorbitant amounts of money and operates very much like a for-profit company, where instead of the profits going to you know, their shareholders, the profits go to like executive pay and the board pay and stuff like that. You know, the, the, the purpose for having a nonprofit is, you know, you're supposed to be able to do something for the betterment of the community and, and you don't want to get, you know, stifled, you know, you don't want to be taxed for the nonprofit activities because that may, means that you're not going to be able to uh, do as much good as you could have done as a nonprofit. But a long time ago, I looked up, you know, making a nonprofit. And one of the books that I found said how to make money using nonprofits. And I was like, if this is the most ass backwards thing I've ever heard, you're not supposed to be able to make money with nonprofits. I mean, yeah, you're going to pay people salaries to do the work that they do for you, but you're supposed to be able to, you know, use the fact that you're a nonprofit to benefit society, not to benefit yourself and line your own pockets. But don't tell that to Oxner because they'll continue to gobble up all these little small clinics and turn them into auctioner, you know, clinics and, and, and build, you know, floors on top, upon floors on their hospital, making a huge eyesore in the middle of Metairie, Louisiana. And also, um, so, so what had happened was auctioner went ahead and was, was participating in the distribution of vaccines to kids in high school. And one of the kids, ended up getting vaccinated someone who's under 18 years old but one of the kids ended up getting vaccinated without parental consent and the parents are suing now whether or not i don't know i don't know if medical malpractice laws come into play here um i'm not a super big you know people will say that i have um, a good understanding for the law when it comes to it as a lay person i've been told that before by attorneys however here's the thing uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to always get it perfect, but I don't know if malpractice, if that will, would be considered malpractice or not. Um, however, they did just give the shot to somebody and they weren't supposed to give the shot to them. And I'm sure instead of settling out of court, doing the right thing, making sure that, you know, that, that they fix their, their methods so that they don't make that issue again, if it was a, purely mistake or whatever, instead of doing all that, I'm sure for, based on my experience with them that they're going to pass the buck. They're going to claim not to be responsible and they're going to probably either say, Oh, well, we were given a, a form by for this person. See, it's the form and claim some sort of malarkey and try and, you know, again, pass the buck, not take any responsibility for their bad actions. And, but because conservatives love this thing called, you know, court reform in Louisiana in order to get a malpractice suit at least you have to go through a medical review board and there and there's a you'll get a panel of doctors who will review the evidence and will say something and will basically say okay well let's uh let's look and see what happened and then in, what usually happens unless it's a really egregious case is the doctors will just protect their fellow doctor and say no sorry this is not a case of medical malpractice now that does not preclude you from then filing a case, a lawsuit 
in courts to try and get damages because you still believe it's a malpractice. But at that point, no attorney is going to take the case because they're going to have to fight a much bigger uphill battle and say, hey, we uh, look at this. We, uh, they're going to have to fight this large uphill battle and say, hey, uh, we, uh, we, we think it's malpractice, even though the doctors don't think it's malpractice. And the judge and the jury, but they, well, if the doctors don't think it's malpractice, why should we believe you? Then you have to convince them why the other doctors were also wrong or protecting their fellow colleague, which is, you know, part of the problem in the system. You know, if you ever, if you ever saw the movie Hot Coffee, um, about the, you know, part of it includes the McDonald's case where the woman burnt herself on excessively hot coffee. Now, I still believe that perhaps the responsibility of the person holding the coffee, you know, should have been held to be a little higher than the 25% that was applied. But the thing is, is that everybody knows the hot coffee case. And a lot of people don't understand the hot coffee case as well as they should when discussing it. So that's why they named the documentary hot coffee, but there was like seven or eight other parts in the hot coffee documentary. Uh, And one of them was the guy who was saying, Hey, I was all for these tort reform measures. I was all for, I thought these people were being greedy. I didn't think it would come back and bite me in the ass. Well, guess what? It came back and it bit him in the ass because the law that he voted for, the law that that was passed because he is a citizen said, I think that we should restrict people from, you know, suing people, you know, being overly litigious when it comes to medical lawsuits. He was unable to get full fully compensated for the damages that were done to him and he screwed himself he played himself and everybody else who would need more money than what the law allows to have the fullest of recoveries as possible because there's some people where full recovery is never possible so that's one of the many problems with the so-called tort reform laws you know you know how you solve you know tort reform you 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 or solve overly litigious people you give empower the judges and juries to say no this is not an example of something where you should get all this money and if for some reason the jury's like yeah give him two billion dollars then you have an appeals court that says okay you know he the person did do wrong and there was money that was owed to this individual but it's not going to be two billion dollars it's going to be something more reasonable That's how you deal with that. Anyway, let's go ahead and take the first commercial break. Come back, take your calls as well, 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do, but BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. 
So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. In a world gone mad, one progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. Alright, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family, because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mm, yeah. If you enjoy Liberal Dan Radio, there's many ways that you can support the show. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can like me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter or TikTok. And you can become a Liberal Dan Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can get a shout-out. Higher levels get the opportunity to vote on what I do next on the podcast, the minicast, or on YouTube. You can even buy commercial advertising or sponsor bits. So go to patreon.liberaldan.com and support the show today. Hey there, podcast listeners. This is Demonox, host of The World According to Knox. It's time for Season 2, where I take you on another trip through my world. The world of movies, video games, pop culture, and more. Relate them to the world around you. Don't forget to leave a question for Marscat and find me on Twitter by the handle xdemonox. Letter X like X-Men, D-E-M-I-N-O-X. Now enjoy the rest of your podcast. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. Shouts out to uh, Suzette Live Talk over in the Blog Talk Radio chat room. Also uh, to V Radio and Doug Cochran over in the uh, YouTube chat room. If you want to join us again, you can either join us with your free blogtalkradio.com account, sign into the uh, Blog Talk Radio page, go to the episode page, and at the bottom you'll see the chat where you can leave your comments there. Also, you can go to YouTube and watch me live as well as listening to me, and you can leave your comments, questions, et cetera, there. Remember to you know like the video, share it with your friends, and subscribe to the channel as well. But make sure that we can you know get more support, move towards monetization eventually. Maybe. We'll see if that ever happens. Of course, YouTube has just added two more requirements for monetization, but it's, they're not as bad as the previous changes that were made that completely threw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, I'll do several bits this week, uh, or each week. I try to at least. And uh, one of them is called Words of Redneck Wisdom. So without further ado... And now, words of redneck wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. 
I want to say something. I'm not being mean about anything, but okay. until people who just want to talk, uh, then they sh- then if not, if all they're doing is bitching, moaning, bitching, moaning, bitching, moaning. Until you get ready to pick up that phone and call your representative and tell that jackass that if you don't do what I say and what the state says, we're going to float you out. That's the only way these people in Washington are you're going to get through to them. They voted him in, and they're in the same boat we're in. And I'm speaking to everybody out there that voted this jackass in. You put us in this position. You let things happen that did. Because right now, this nation is going to, well, I'm not going to say it. Because you got FCC rules, and I want you on the air. And this concludes Words of Redneck Wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Den Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Anyway, that was words of redneck wisdom. I was just amused at him just because he was, you know, calling people jackasses and said some other uh, that could be considered dirty words, maybe by some people, but then went ahead and was was worried about uh, what the last thing he might have said would have been. I think he might have dropped the wanted to drop the s bomb. I don't know. That's my only interpretation of what he might have wanted to say. Uh, but then he said, "You have FTC rules that you have to follow." I don't think the Federal Trade Commission is too, too concerned about. A ringside politics. Now, the FCC, on the other hand, might be, but uh, it's just, uh, I guess I shouldn't pick on him too much for his stumbling and bumbling all over the place uh, when it comes to what he says, because the beginning of this show, oof, I was rough at the beginning of this show as well. I was having a difficult time trying to get some of my words out, and if you would have heard me with the hypocrite of the week, which I'll play later, um, oof, I was having very, very big problems trying to say the word expense when it came to the context of the video that I was saying. For some reason, expense between the words that I was saying just was coming out incorrectly. But we'll hear that one later. Um, So I'm sure, you know, we might have some listeners perhaps coming into the show uh, wanting to hear about, you know, what I'm going to additionally say. I've I've done about maybe three podcasts uh, in the past maybe month, month and a half where I've given some time to the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. And I also made another video in response to the uh, Johnny Walker dread, uh, some, some of his videos, um, you know, and there's been some back and forth on some of his videos when it comes to, um, when it, when it comes to, you know, some of the topics that are being brought up, I, I suppose. And I made a, you know, a response to him and he responded back to me and I was going to make a response back to his response, but it was looking like it was going to get too long. So if I am going to make a response to that video, I might just have to chop it up or I might just do another one later. I don't know. Anyway, but the first thing I kind of want to talk about when it comes to the Kyle Rittenhouse thing is it's one of the terms that's being used uh, to describe people on both sides of the issue, so to speak. Um, And that is people who are pro Kyle and people who are anti Kyle. If you, if you believe that, that apparently if you believe that Kyle Rittenhouse had a, had a uh, justified uh, reaction to the events of the night, 
if you believe that he, as a, a any reasonable person in his circumstance, would have used deadly force to protect himself, then you are part of the quote pro Kyle crowd. If you are one of the people who don't believe that Kyle Rittenhouse uh, was acting responsibly, that he uh, is at fault, uh, that he was an aggressor at some point, and that he uh, he is somebody that should be considered to have committed a crime in the shooting of the three individuals. Uh, apparently, we're not allowed to, or at least the prosecution is not allowed to call them victims, uh, but we'll just call them individuals for now. Perhaps that's what the prosecution will call them, or perhaps the prosecution will come up with another way that, to call them victims without calling them victims that, that are within the judge's guidelines. But I, I'm not necessarily sure that I'm okay with, with the terms pro-Kyle and anti-Kyle. Like, I would not have, I would have rather he not shoot the people, sure. You know, I, I think some people might say, even though it's pro-justice or anti-justice, but even then, I, th- I think people have differing opinions, and I think a lot of those opinions are just valid differences of opinions. I mean, let's just consider this. Of every attorney that brings a case to trial, on average, or close to half of all attorneys that bring cases to trial are, end up being wrong about a particular subject. Now, maybe, maybe in one case, you might, one of the attorneys might be right about something and wrong about something else. But if there's an issue before the court, one attorney, if, if the attorneys don't agree on something, then one attorney is going to make an argument for something. One attorney is going to make an argument against something. And the judge is going to make a determination or the jury is going to make a determination. Or if at the end of the day, it goes to an appeals court, the appeals court might make a determination based off of the ruling off of the argument made by either the prosecution or the defense. And so so if attorneys half the time are wrong, people who are not attorneys are also going to be wrong and going to have different. So maybe not even, maybe not even, you know, wrong. It's just the fact that, you know, that, that they're not able to win out in the court case, in the cases that discuss the charges against a particular defendant at, at the time. So I, I think that maybe the conversations could be a little bit more toned down if we were to stop calling people anti-Kyle or pro-Kyle. You know, just I want justice to be served. I want a fair court case. I want the evidence to be presented. And now I differ. You know, I have a video up there currently on YouTube where they say, or where they were talking about the, whether or not they should include the evidence from the CVS video where Kyle Rittenhouse and one of his friends were sitting in a vehicle outside of CVS about two weeks prior to the shootings in Kenosha. And Rittenhouse clearly says that if he had his rifle, that he would shoot at the people who he believed were committing a crime and stealing property. Now, to me, this shows his state of mind. This shows his intent. This shows 
that he is somebody who doesn't understand the proper escalation of the use of force when it comes to when deadly force is reasonably used and not reasonably used. If he would have had a gun and he would have fired at those people, that would have been a illegal discharge of his firearm. He would have been probably arrested and found guilty of assault with a deadly weapon. If he did, if, if, even if he didn't hit anybody, that would be an assault with a deadly weapon because you shot at people. Because an assault doesn't require that you actually damage the people. It just, it's just to cause the threat of harm. I punch at you, that's an assault. If I hit you, that's battery. So, you, but the judge is like, well, I'm disinclined at this moment to allow it to be entered. He still hasn't fully committed to that belief, but the judge believes that the, that the situations were different enough that, they should, that one judge shouldn't apply to the other. And to me, my opinion is that, well, I think the jury should be able to determine that. I think the, the prosecution should be able to present this video and say, this is how Kyle Rittenhouse, what Kyle Rittenhouse believes, and this is, this is how he believes guns should be used. And it's a circumstance where he says that he believes that, he, that these people should have been shot at by him with the rifle that he used to kill the people on, in Kenosha two weeks later. And the defense can make the argument, well, here's the thing. It was weeks apart. Uh, he, because he didn't have his gun, he called 911. And maybe, but to me, let the jury make the determination as to the relevance of it or not. And V Radio says, well, yeah, talking crap while recording a phone video is not the same thing as shooting at people who attack you. But it still goes to show that I, I don't, I, it wasn't necessarily talking crap because he, he wasn't talking crap to those people. He, was, like, he didn't go to those people and say, if I had my rifle on me, I'd shoot you right now. No, but he did say that he would shoot them if he had his gun on him at that point in time, which shows that he does not understand the proper use of force. I mean, it, 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 it would be improper in that situation to shoot a rifle at those people. And he believed it was it would have been okay to shoot a gun at those people at that time because that's what he said he wished he would do. And when somebody tells you who they are, you believe them. Now, on the other side of the coin, there are, uh, there's an argument as to whether or not um, the prosecution doesn't like that the defense wants to refer to uh, the individuals that were shot as rioters and looters and arsonists, et cetera. And they believe that it unfairly biases the judge or the jury against their side. But to me, the defense should be able to bring up those and call those people those names. They believe, he believed, the Rittenhouse believed that the people who were, that he was, you know, there to do whatever he was doing there for were arsonists, looters, and whatever. And they also, the defense, the prosecution also believed that they shouldn't be able to use, the defense shouldn't be able to bring up things from other parts of the night that Rittenhouse wasn't aware of. Again, I don't believe that that you should, the jury who 12 people in the jury shouldn't look at those items from before and say, oh, Rittenhouse didn't know about them. So let's go ahead and, and still count it towards his thought making process. No, but if the defense wants to say, this is the situation he was in, and the, and the, the prosecution can then say, well, he didn't know about these things, so that's why you should ignore them when deliberating, and then, again, let the jury decide. 
Let the jury decide. But that that apparently is not how things are going in the legal system. And I have my problems with legal. One of the problems I have with, the, with our judicial system in this country is how we changed affirmative defenses in the case of self-defense. What do I mean? So back in the day, I have, a, I have an aunt who lives in Florida who kind of confirmed this for me. Um, back before Florida passed their stand-your-ground laws, um, when you made an affirmative defense of self-defense, it was the responsibility on, of, was on the defense to prove with a clear convincing or preponderance of the evidence standard that the actions that a reasonable person would have done, would have used deadly force in that situation. A reasonable person would have said, my life's in jeopardy and I, deadly force is allowed. The onus was on the person making the affirmative defense. And in many affirmative defenses today, that's still true. If you're saying, yes, I did X, but the reason why I did X, which is normally illegal, should be considered legal because. And then they present their information. And if they prove that by preponderance of the evidence, then their self-defense claim is valid. But Florida changed their laws, and many other states have changed their laws in the past decade or so, or maybe even more, Um they have, they have changed the burden of proof and have now said that instead of you having as a defense to prove by preponderance of the evidence that it was self-defense, that self-defense was reasonable and justified for the situation that the person was in, now the prosecution has to prove by preponderance of the evidence that it wasn't you, you accept, it's like they accept that, that hey, this is self-defense, and the prosecution then has to say, it wasn't self-defense. It has to prove a negative. And proving a negative is not logical. It's a logical fallacy. So that's part of the problem, I think, with this case. That's part of the problem with the problem with this case is part of the problem with, with many other cases. Now, even though the stand your ground laws in Florida changed, it wasn't a stand your ground case with like George Zimmerman, for example. But Zimmerman had a situation where Zimmerman put himself into a situation. He started chasing after Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin was probably likely the person who could have claimed self-defense because he was being pursued. Zimmerman was chasing down, even though 911 said you don't have to do that. He didn't order them not to do it, but he said you don't have to do that. He chased him down. He made himself a threat to Trayvon Martin, but we can never hear Trayvon Martin side the sword because Trayvon Martin died. And so what happened? Zimmerman claimed that he got into a fight with Trayvon Martin, started losing the fight. And when he started losing the fight, he used that as an excuse to use deadly force and shoot and kill Trayvon Martin, claiming, oh, he was going for my gun. I, I couldn't risk him going for my gun. He was going for my gun. Which brings us back to the case of Kyle Rittenhouse and what's going on with uh, one of the arguments that's being made by an individual named Ripley on the Johnny Walker Dread videos. And even Johnny Walker Dread himself seems 
you agree with me on at least this point, that there should be no two systems of justice for the armed and the unarmed, okay? So, but let's see. So Ripley says, uh, bah, 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 bah. we're talking about an individual who not only wants to do serious bodily harm or death to Kyle, but to supposedly, um, but also to take his gun, supposedly. He is attempting to arm himself, supposedly. If someone lunges for a gun on the table, they might be armed, unarmed, but they're attempting to arm themselves. You seem to take issue, talking to me, uh, with there being, quote, special rules for people open carrying. I ask again, what do you do if you're open carrying and somebody tries to take your weapon and murder you? The addition of a firearm changes things. You're not allowed to take someone's firearm by choice, by force. Um, prove what a multiple. Basically, here's, here's the situation. And hi, Suzette, Daily News. Welcome. So Daily News, Dan, people are no longer innocent until proven guilty. Um, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that in affirmative defenses, normally if there's a crime that's being accused, if someone accuses me of a crime, it is not, I don't have to say anything. It is their responsibility to say that I did the crime beyond reasonable doubt. Beyond all reasonable doubt, I did this crime. However, if I choose to defend myself by saying, I did this action which is normally illegal, but this is why I believe it's illegal, it used to be the case that the responsibility was on the defense to prove that the exception to the rule, to prove that I followed all of the guidelines that's reasonable and called for in order for me to do the normally illegal act. So if I want to, like for example, a very simple, easy one is in Louisiana, you have a castle doctrine type law, which basically says if somebody's breaking into your house, someone has broken into your house, you can shoot them because you consider them a threat. Shooting somebody is typically considered illegal, but you raise the affirmative defense of he broke into my house. And, well, I mean, if the body was found in your house and he was not someone who lived at your house, and there was a sign of a forced entry via a broken window or a door or whatever, and you shot him, you say, Your Honor, I'm raising the affirmative defense that I shot and killed this person because that person was breaking into my house and under Louisiana law, I'm allowed to shoot and kill this person in this particular situation. And this is the evidence to show this is the why. And then the judge and jury is like, okay, Normally, it's not even a case that gets charged or even prosecuted. Sometimes there was a case where it did happen semi-recently, and the person ended up still uh, being acquitted because of the Castle Doctrine rules. Uh, But it's not that you're you're no longer innocent until proven guilty. It's that if you're going to make an affirmative defense, at least it used to be if you're going to make an affirmative defense, you then have to prove that argument that you're making. It's like... If we're, if we're having a discussion about any topic and I make a point, I say, this is true. It's not your responsibility to, to, to prove that this isn't true. It's my responsibility to prove that it is true. Same should apply with any affirmative defense that's being raised. Isn't that called intent? Uh, you can have, you, you don't need intent if you're negligent. Um, like you can still be, you can still not intend to kill somebody, but still like neglig- be, be convicted of negligent homicide if you didn't intend to shoot them, but 
your presence, like if I drive drunk, I might not intend to kill anybody while driving drunk, but I still drove drunk. So while the intent to kill people isn't there, I still can be go. I can still go to jail for for somebody's death for the homicide of the individual because I still did a negligent act. So there's that. Um, I know you had, did you ask a similar question in the chat? Let's see. Is the reason that the judicial branches decide events in Kyle's case are things that trial is fair and, and they decide Kyle committed the crime or murder or whatever, then that should be the end of public opinion on the matter, right? I mean, no, it's not going to be the end of public opinion on the matter because at the end of the day, if Kyle Rittenhouse gets convicted, there's going to be a large group of people who are going to say it was unjust, it was unlawfully convicted, it was an unjust thing and support his, and there's going to be an appeal and it'll go up the ladder where take into consideration when if he's and if he's acquitted you're probably going to have a large group of people that say he was acquitted he he got away with murder just like george zimmerman just like a lot of other people who got away with murder um but anyway but we're going back to this response by ripley over here on uh on his youtube video and we have disagreements about a lot of different things on the post but Here's the situation. So let's say Suzette and myself, right? Let's say Suzette is coming and attacking me. Let's say she grabs at me. And I, under the law, in an aggressive manner, I'm under law, I'm free to defend myself. I am not free to shoot her or to use deadly force to prevent her from grabbing me because that would not be reasonable of me to do. But, and here's the big old but, according to the arguments made by Ripley, and I've invited Ripley to come on the show and discuss that, and he apparently was afraid to do it for fear of me having his phone number or me, or me having more power in the discussion or whatever, you know, and I wouldn't have said he's afraid, but he wanted to call me a coward on the other side. Anyway, so tit for tat, he was too afraid to come on the show. So it is, wait, wait, sorry. I'm sorry. That's not my line. That is somebody else's line. It is what it is. Thank you, Donald. Um, I should really move that audio up. Um, But here's the thing. It's a situation again. So Suzette comes after me and grabs at me. I can block it. I could use whatever force I deem is necessary. Not I deem that is reasonable. That would be reasonable to defend myself. I could use that force. I could slap the hand away or whatever. Whatever. But I would not be able to use deadly force. However, under Ripley's argument, under the argument here, this is the thing. He says that if I now have a rifle around me and Suzette grabs at me, Because I have a rifle, that justifies my killing her. That justifies my using lethal force because I can assume that Suzette is trying to reach for my gun. And because I can assume that Suzette is trying to reach for my gun and take my gun away from me, I can now shoot her because she might then try and and use my gun to kill me. So I can then – it's – bonkers it's absolutely insane that anybody would and this person is supposedly a self-defense trainer 
person supposedly trains people in, in when, when it's okay to self-defense, to do an act of self-defense. Are you saying, well, it's two completely different things? No. The action toward me should be considered the same, regardless of if you're grabbing at me, you're coming at me, you're chasing me down. Simple, the act of chasing me down. Should it be enough for me to commit? Now, I'm not going to sit here and say, I don't have every single bit of footage that, that could have been available when it comes to the Rittenhouse case. But simply chasing after somebody, if, if, if Suzette's chasing me, she'd probably catch me really quickly, but if Suzette's chasing me, that in and of itself is not enough for me to use deadly force. Suzette would have to be, I would have to consider her to be a threat to my life. That belief would have to be reasonable. And I would have had to have not started the fight. Of course, which then brings up the other argument of, well, he was running away. Running away, running in a specific direction doesn't necessarily mean that you are disengaging from the fight. Under Wisconsin law, you are required to give adequate notice that you are, that you are not, no longer participating in the fight. And that's the only way somebody who is an aggressor, if Kyle Rittenhouse is indeed found to be the aggressor by the law, the only way that the aggressor can then use, go come back and, and reassert his right of self-defense would be to adequately notice, notify the people who were involved that I'm no longer involved with this anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. And when does he do this? He does this at the end of the video. When you see him walking away, he raises his hands. And I've discussed this before too. That raising your hands is a universal sign of enough. Enough is enough. Now, these people are saying you can't just raise your hands up in the air because you have a gun. So these people believe that simply being armed with a rifle precludes you from being able to just say, I give up, I'm no longer fighting, and then gives you special rights when it comes to self-defense because you're allowed to, according to these people, you're allowed to interpret motions, actions towards you as being a threat to your life because they might take your gun. I appreciate that. I don't know, V-Radio, when the next time I'm going to talk about the Kyle Rittenhouse case is. Um, but if you follow me on Twitter or if you, you know, you, you follow me, you know, whatever, you know, there's, it's possible. You could email me, liberaldayandradio at gmail.com. You can let me know and say, hey, you know, maybe when the case starts, if there's more stuff to talk about that's new, like maybe if the, the aerial footage comes out from the uh, FBI, which is, I think, potentially important, the prosecution seems to believe that it is. Um, but I'd be more than happy to have you come on at, on a future podcast to discuss the issue. That's, you don't have to let someone assault you just because you were armed. But again, no bullets were fired and so is a misty fired off his pistol behind Kyle. Um, now, I'm not saying you have to let somebody assault you just because you're armed, but I'm saying you don't, you don't have the right to use deadly force just because somebody assaults you. Somebody hits you. If somebody threatens to – an assault is a threatened punch. That's, that's all you need for an assault. That's, even if Rosenbaum really was the aggressor, if that was really the case, that he was chosen – that he really was the aggressor and he chased Rittenhouse down, Rittenhouse, if he – armed, the argument that these people are making was that, would make is that if Rittenhouse wasn't armed, 
that he wouldn't be able to use deadly force, but because he was armed, he would be able to use deadly force, and that's bizarre. That is absurd. In Kyle's case, a witness is going to testify Rosenbaum threatened to kill him when he got him alone. Should Kyle not take him serious after 50 yards of chase? Okay, so here's the thing, single ride, right? In Kyle's case, a witness is going to testify Rosenbaum threatened to kill him when he... So what is, that witness that says this, was Kyle aware of that? Was Kyle Rittenhouse aware that Rosenbaum threatened to kill him when he got him alone? Should Kyle not... So that's, that's, that's one important question I would ask you. Suzette, careful, Dan. I know karate. Okay. That's, that's what I'm saying. You could, you, could, you could... Your hands may very well be deadly weapons. Let's see. During our night of riots, a man chased someone who was open carrying. If you chase somebody in that scenario, you're probably not playing around. Maybe. But again... Is, is it, is, does a reasonable person assume that this is a, a, a place where your life is in danger? Uh, try and take someone's... Oh, Paul Cass is here. Welcome, Paul. Thank you for joining us in the, live, in the podcast today. Uh, let's see. Try and take someone's gun. You can be sure of that. But you, how do you prove that someone was actually trying to take your gun? Yeah, he chased someone open carrying. That doesn't mean that he that that doesn't mean that he's a threat to the person's life. I mean, he's still not talking about the Zeminski firing a shot through the chase. I yeah, I, you know, and again, that's something that the defense could raise. Or here's the thing: the defense normally it would be normally it would used to be at least if in order the, the defense would have to or used to have to prove that. It really was self-defense. So normally the defense would have to introduce things like, hey, Zeminski fired a shot. That made Rittenhouse believe that he was being shot at. So therefore, that's part of the decision-making that Rittenhouse took in, in, in deciding that shooting the weapon was or, or okay in this case. And it would be up to the jury to believe whether or not the defense's arguments were good enough. Now, the prosecution has to show that Zeminski firing wasn't cause of reasonable. It, 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 it's convoluted. And that's part of the problems I have with the changes that we've made in this country to affirmative defenses when it comes to self-defense. Wait, no, he isn't. What a lot of, that's one of the problems with following along with the chat is that maybe quote what I say when you're responding or something. So I know what it is you're responding to. I don't know. How about the guy who threw a firebomb at Kyle? Is it the, who threw the firebomb at Kyle? Was it one of those three? I don't know. Um, is it on the prosecution to prove the gun? It's on the prosecution to prove the gun grab wasn't happening beyond reason. That's the problem. That's part of the problem. It used to, would have to be, used to be up to the defense to prove that the gun was being grabbed at, not beyond reasonable doubt, but by preponderance of the evidence. So it used to be in affirmative defenses that if, if you were going to say that this shooting was self-defense, that and part of the reason, and, and if the defense was arguing, part of the reason, part of the things that made it self-defense was the individual was grabbing for the gun. The defense would have to prove that normally. Now they've put it on the, the prosecution to prove a negative, which is a logical fallacy. Let's see. Chandler Pappas, what's up? V, your Twitter 
Well, thank you, V for uh, V Radio, for tweeting out. I appreciate it. Hello, Chandler Pappas. Nice to see you. Um, and yeah, yeah, all five people in the chat. This is a attempt. I'm attempting to grow my podcast. I'm attempting to make it bigger and better. So and we do have a, fall, a call on the line. I believe this may could, could this be Suzette? I think maybe. It is. Hello. Hi, it's Suzette. How are you today, Suzette? And I'm just, very well. Just to be, Thank just, you for taking just my just call. Be, you're very welcome. I do want to say that to, to the individual, Ms. Ripley specifically, who um, was afraid to come on the show because he was afraid that because of a difference of opinion that I would not be the type that, that I would use my power as the host to talk over him, that I would give out the number of people, the, the person, because I could see the number there, et cetera. So, Suzette, before we get into the topic of conversation, um, do you believe that I have ever given away your number to anybody? Have you gotten any phone calls because of, of this podcast? No, you've been very gracious. You've been more than, um, you know, as far as pleasurable when we have our discussions. Sometimes they get heated, sometimes they don't, but we always part on good terms because um, you let me have my say-so. So I appreciate so there that. There you go. So I'm fair to you. I, I treat you fairly, even though we have we have disagreements on the, on the issues at hand. Absolutely. Absolutely. Would you say that I'm the best and, liberal podcast out there? Yes, and I actually wanted to congratulate you on expanding your podcast. It looks like you're getting more traffic, and that's awesome. Good for you. I appreciate it. I, I hope we can expand further. But, again, I just wanted to point that out there, that here we have an individual who is conservative, who says that I treat her fairly whenever she calls in, and, that, and that I, I, that's what I want to have. I want to have a, a place where we can discuss the issues fairly and reasonably and have these discussions and perhaps you know, sometimes maybe change each other's minds occasionally. It might happen. It might not. But I do like the fact that I can have reasonable conversations with both you and your husband uh, when it comes to these issues. And I encourage more uh, people who disagree with me to join in on the conversation so that we can have uh, more friendly debate over our disagreements. So anyway, so what do you would like to call about? Today. Okay. Well, if I may first, I just want to say that um, there are times when we learn something new, you know, or you've learned something new, or or we've had something to think about anyway <laughs> um, on some different different subjects on your show. So we enjoy listening, and and um, yeah, and I'm even a Trump supporter, and you know that, and you don't call me names or hang up on right. me or <laughs> because we respect each other as human beings, even though you know we may have different political views. Um, I respect you as as a man, a human being, a family man, and and so forth, because that's who you are. <laughs> so I try to yeah, be at least. Absolutely. <laughs> well, that's all we can do. <laughs> We're all in progress and work. <laughs> so um, anyway, I just wanted to um, comment and say that you know we don't know all the facts of the case, and I think it, you've been fair in saying you know until. We find out for sure what what happened, but on the face or on the surface, what we do know, you know, is he went there to to defend his buddy's establishment or property or whatever it was. And so he went there with his rifle. Maybe it was to defend himself in case there was trouble or defend the property. But the point was is that the gun itself shows that it will wound, injure, even if it was – his intent to say, well, I have it, so it was going to scare them away. 
you can't really anticipate that because there were it was a mob, you know, that were burning and breaking things. And so you were, the um, the thought that he may not ever fire that gun through that entire time is not reasonable to think, you know. It, and so it's like uh, he may not have intended to shoot anybody, but why else would you have brought it? That's a point that I, that I do make. And, and there's, there's also, you know, one of the things that the prosecution is saying, and, you know, I've said before that Rittenhouse under Wisconsin law would not legally be able to use force to defend anybody's property because he didn't check many of the boxes. But as been said by the prosecution, as been said by, um, yeah, blanking on the name, by Johnny Walker Dredd, as has been said by other people, that, that you know, the, 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 his being at those properties, like, you know, where the, when the police thanked them or whatever, um, was before any of other stuff happened, like before he got separated from his crowd. So, um, so there's that, um, there's that to be taken into consideration of it. It's a point that was made to me and, and I'll accept the point, uh, that, that perhaps, uh, his, his, I don't understand why it's been to begin with. Obviously, if you bring a gun somewhere, if you arm yourself with a gun, prepared to use it and use it properly. And I think that's one of the one of the more important things. I think we see from uh, the video. There, there was a video that was brought off um, by Johnny Walker. I shared a clip of it from somebody else's page uh, that showed the uh, direct where uh, the, the point where um, Gage Rosencrantz or whatever. I think that's his name. Um, I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, like kicks him in the ar- kicks him in the arm, and that seems to be the action that um, causes the rifle to fire, harming him. Which, uh, which to me says that it's highly likely that Rittenhouse you know, had his finger on the trigger already. And and there was other scenes where I've seen Rittenhouse running around with his finger on the trigger as he's walking around, which to me shows. Now, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, that shows bad trigger discipline. So he's already not operating his weapon as he should because you should never, you shouldn't have your finger on the trigger until you're ready to shoot. Right? Well, it also depends on, uh, you know, circumstances that, you know, if he's, because of the situation that, that he had implemented himself into, <laughs> because he crossed state lines, if I'm correct on that, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and he so, did cross state lines. Yeah. I think I think the gun was housed at a location in Wisconsin. So I don't think it, the I don't think the the rifle that he had was ever was in his house. So I don't think like his mother, if I'm if I'm remembering this correctly, his mother didn't transport him and the gun. His mother transported him, I think maybe to the friend's house or whatever. Then he went off and then he did the the, the graffiti cleanup earlier in the day and then he joined up later on with the with the rifle that was stored at somebody else's house. Um, I don't even think the person who owned the house really wanted him to take the rifle with him, but he did anyway. Um, at least that's the that's the argument I think that was made by the owner of the house, and that may very well be made simply to cover their own asses. I don't know. Um, but at that, that at that point, he was then armed in the city of Kenosha. And underage. And under and, no. and well, as a thing, and, and there's the other there's a, there's a there's an argument about how the law was written. It was the raw law poorly written or not. And that's going to be, again, I've said that's above my pay grade to determine that. In my opinion, the law is clear enough 
especially when they amended the law, say that the exceptions for people under 18 were made for hunting purposes only and not for non-hunting purposes. Um, however, it is possible, it is within the realm of possibilities that the exceptions for non-short-barreled shotguns and non-short-barreled rifles um, doesn't, doesn't apply in this case, and therefore he may have legally been carrying that weapon um, if it is deemed that the law was written poorly enough. But again, that, that is above my pay grade. So I'll leave it at my opinion that he was illegally carrying because he was underage, but I, I leave open the possibility that the law is poorly written enough that the judge is going to say, well, even though when this act was passed in 2005, I think that's the correct year, even though when this act was passed in 2005, um, it was specifically stated it was only and about anything else. And, and also, it's in, um, it's, it's in the section about hunting and wildlife and fishing or whatever. It's not in the other parts of the law that deal with, you know, the other parts of gun ownership. But anyway, Chandler Pappas does say um, that has that to call in as well. The phone number is 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. Actually, I can put it in the chat as well if they don't want to. But, that, you know, if this is so, a clean So if we were to case, set aside the age the age thing and just set that aside for now since it's supposed to, you know, we it's that for the judge to decide that. And, well, for him to well, the judge decide everything. But, <laughs> the judge could throw out the charge. But if, if we were to say that, that he went knowing that um, – that he was going to be defending himself no matter what, whether if he left without the gun and just went, he was, you know, putting himself in a situation where he was going to have to defend himself, whether with his fist and in this case with a gun. So the intent, however you want to look at it, is still to be there in a situation that's very volatile and could potentially, you know, put his life at risk and in order to save his life, he took the gun. But there was, you know, he's he shouldn't have put himself in that situation in the first place, and exactly. which caused him to take the gun because <laughs> because now people have been, you know, shot. So I don't know. It's a, it's a it's, until we know more about the case, you know, as far as the law goes, that's how I see it. He should have never put himself in that position in the first place to where he would feel necessary to take the gun in order to defend himself. Um, I 100% you know, agree with you on that point. I think a lot of, I think, I think of a lot of, now he is being tried as an adult. I think a lot of people have, uh, a lot of people failed Kyle Rittenhouse on that day as well. I, I think, um, I think, I think his mom failed him when, you know, to say, you know, maybe you shouldn't go into the middle of, of this area where, where we believe that riots and looting and arsons are happening. And there were riots and there was looting and there was arson. So, you know, maybe don't go in the middle of all that as a 17 year old, um, the individuals, the other adults who were there armed should have made sure that he was somebody who was an adult who was over 18, who was properly trained in, um, self-defense, how to defend yourself with a firearm, properly trained in force escalation procedures, properly trained to know when it's okay to use your rifle and when it's not okay to use your rifle. Because if you look back at the CVS video, you can see that he, kn he doesn't know that it's not okay to shoot a rifle at somebody if they're simply taking 
goods. Now, there are a lot of people who are out there who believe that you should be able to shoot somebody if they're stealing your property. That's a whole other issue. Under Wisconsin law, you're not allowed to do that. So I'm going to put you on hold for a second, Suzette. Um, and we're going to take the other caller. I will come back to you as well. We have plenty of time for the show. So I'm assuming that this is uh, Chandler um, from the YouTube chat. Am I correct? Yeah, can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. Thank you very much for calling. Thank you for joining us in the chat. I do appreciate your, uh, your calling in to discuss the issues. Yeah. Yeah. So I just had, uh, I kind of had some firsthand experience. I'm from Portland. And uh, so, you know, we were a big part of all that up there as well. And uh, when you have, I got to be careful about how I say this, there's still a lot of uh, potential litigation coming from some of these things. So, um, but I do want to say, when you have, like you said, the rioting, the looting, the, the outright violence, the arson, uh, people being beat, people being murdered, um, and then you have somebody, in my particular instance, um, I'm not particularly sure what, what Kyle's uh, relation was to the city of Kenosha. He had a friend that owned a business. In my situation, there, I did have a friend who owned a business, um, and it was right around, it was right in between where some, there was a police shooting that these uh, – you know, militant leftists decided was un, unrighteous for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. When because because my, my buddy's business was there and it, it's a Proud Boy hangout, they decided, oh, we're also going to burn that business down and open calls for violence on Twitter and, uh, you know, not just against the business, against people always, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you've seen all of it. So right. like I said in the chat, you know, nobody – as a general statement, I think it's fair to say nobody ever really wants to have to shoot anybody. But when you're in a spot where these people have been brandishing weapons, they've been perpetrating any number of, like, just heinous acts, uh, including murder, and then they call for violence against, directly against people that you may know or businesses that you may patronize. Uh, and then you have a city and a state and a county and a sheriff who disappears when this riot starts on this particular night, uh, as was my case. Um, maybe you feel a little bit more inclined to do something about it. There's nobody there to help you. So, well, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm gonna, I, I think we can agree that, that perhaps in, in, in several of these situations, in, in your situation perhaps, in, in, in Kenosha perhaps, um, that there may have been some abdication of duty when it comes to the police. Um, perhaps also it just might be the fact that they're, they're picking and choosing what to defend. It's kind of like a, you know, a, a we're going we're gonna to do this from a, you know, we're, we're, we're going to try and deal with it as best as we can with the numbers that, that we have. So I'm not sure. I'm not ready to say that there was abdication, but maybe that there was. I don't know. Um, but that being said, I mean, I, I haven't looked up the specific laws in Portland uh, when it comes to who can or who can't defend people's properties. Um, even if Rittenhouse was a, had a friend who was uh, there, um, you know, who, who owned a property or whatever, that does not fall under the amount of people who could defend a property by force. Now, so, um, the prosecution I went ahead and is not going to bring that up in this case. The prosecution has said that they're not going to bring up Rittenhouse's actions because, as they said, there were people who were pretending their who were def, who were protecting their own properties and, or their own businesses, whatever. And that's people's legal right to protect their own properties and own businesses. And I'm not going to disagree with that. That you have the right to defend your with force, not deadly force, but with force your own property, your own businesses. Well, at some point, deadly force comes into situation if you have a castle doctrine type law. But specifically for Wisconsin, uh, 
it, it, Rittenhouse doesn't have the ability to use force to defend anything. And so it's, then it makes me question, well, why are you bringing a gun to, defend a, to, to try and protect the property that you can't legally defend with force? Um, so there's, there's a little bit of nuance to that then. I guess there, there's, the first question would be, are we talking what is right versus what is legal? And then the second one would be, when you go to defend yourself, your, your business, this Castle Doctrine, uh, and you know that they're going to come with numbers, hundreds. Um, in my particular case, there was well over a thousand that night. Uh, is it really unlawful or unrighteous? And I, again, I don't know how the law is particularly written there in Wisconsin either. But is it? Is it? I guess a more important question: Is it unrighteous for me to try to level the playing field as best I can, knowing these guys are coming with numbers that I can't even meet, and knowing they're probably coming with more guns than I have? Well, the point. The point. Well, the point under Wisconsin law, if. The individual, if the individual reasonably believes that their life is in danger, at that point they can then resort to deadly force, even if they were there originally to defend the property. Um, however, if you're using, but if if it's not a matter of life and death at the moment, then you could only use regular force to defend to defend a property either from being defaced, damaged, or stolen. Um, okay. So, so I've personally deployed any number. I mean. Cans and cans of, of bear mace, and I've probably eaten more bear mace than I, I care to. I, I actually I, I have a distinct kind of um, – I almost like the taste of it now. I'm so, so accustomed <laughs> to it. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 with, with hot things, that, had, that tends to happen. I, I do want to respond to uh, the radio um, quickly in the chat. It says, Wisconsin law plainly states you are allowed to defend yourself, your property, or the property of others and their property. Uh, Wisconsin law <laughs> does state that you are allowed to defend yourself or others. Clearly, and you can use deadly force to protect others if others, uh, if it's reasonable to assume that those other people have are in danger of the, for their lives being taken or not not just even be killed, but if, but being harmed greatly or whatever. I'm not, I'm not using the proper words, but just from memory. Um, Wisconsin law specifically lists, though, and I've talked about this on a previous show, um, that that the people who can who can defend a property with force. Who can defend like a business, like whoever's business it is. The people who can defend it with force are the owner of that business, the immediate family or household of that owner of that business, or people like you know employees or like manager type employees or whatever of that business. Or maybe like for example, the person who runs the location. For example, they use for an example in law, if you're a librarian and you have to use force to stop people from coming in and damaging books the librarian can use force to, to, to prevent the damaging of the books. Uh, however, now this gives me very humorous views of, you know, some Rambo type librarian trying to, or, or Conan the librarian trying to defend, you know, the books, you know, from the massive onslaught of hordes or whatever. But the point is, is that if you're not in those groups, you're not legally able to defend somebody else's property. Um, so now, if, 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 if it then, if it then, right. raise, well, hold on. If it then raises up yeah. to the point of now you're seeing that somebody's property is being attacked and on the other people or who are other people who are defending that property are now having their lives in danger, then yeah, you could then step in and use force to defend those people. And then if those people's lives are in danger, you could use deadly force to prevent those, to protect those people. So at that point you would then be able to do it. So, but it kind of brings down to, I'm not going to sit here and argue why the entirety of, of the, of the, of the, I don't know if you want to label them militia type folks. I think they may have labeled themselves militia type folks. I'm not going to argue against that specifically. Um, but I will question why Kyle was there. 
who who thought Kyle being there was a good idea? I don't think I, I don't think it was just a bad idea in general um, for him to be there. Um, but go on, go on with your point because I didn't want to address V because I didn't want to let the everything scroll up without me missing any any anything. And V Radio is pointing yeah, some of the words, but go ahead really with your point. It gets yeah. really tough to so get a big audience. Uh, so the, the last point, I guess, was just to circle back that we didn't address. I, the, why are we asking these questions? Is it a matter of law or is it a matter of justice? And I guess that's that's the question that I have for everybody. And why are why are we engaging in this? Why are we questioning all of these things? Was it is it really a matter? I mean, personally, and it, it, there's no right right or wrong answer here. It's I mean, are you curious for the sake of law or are you curious for the sake of justice? I think there's a little bit of both. I mean, I, I think I think there's the there's the I guess the intellectual arguments that are made about it mm-hmm. with a look at the law and and a lot of the times when when I have discussions of law on on my podcast it's it's more of a you know is this law written correctly what, it, are these laws just or fair are these laws allowing people to do bad things in the name of being able to do good things um, you know. Are these laws flawed, and, and how do we fix those flaws in the laws? Um, but on the other hand, it, on the other side of it is also there is also a matter of justice, and 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 in in particular cases, you know, are and there's a combination of the two where you, where you have to see do these laws allow for justice to take place, or do these laws act as ways to for people to hide behind the law and avoid justice? Um, I, I think. Sure. I think when when I think when you we have a system of justice, and I, I I have quoted this for as long as I can remember debating politics before probably I could even ever vote, uh, which is the argument of it's better for a hundred guilty men to go free than one innocent person to go to jail, and I still believe that to this day I think that that is that is good, but I also don't believe that we should be making laws that can allow people to get away with murder. Um, and I, I, I think in some circumstances how some of these self-defense laws have been changed where you put where the onus on the people making an affirmative defense falls on the prosecution instead of on the defense, which is where traditionally um, affirmative defense laws or affirmative defenses have fallen or the, the onus of or the proof, the burden of proof falls on the defense when you're raising an affirmative defense, or at least it had been. That's where I have a problem. You know, because it, it's then forcing the prosecution to prove a negative, which is a logical fallacy. It, you know, you, can you do it sometimes? Sure. Um, but there's, there's, it shouldn't be easy to get away with murder either. It shouldn't, be, it shouldn't be easy to convict people, but it shouldn't be easy to get away with murder. Um, and if you can, if, if you're in a situation, just let's, a, a general situation where it, it is better, if it is better for you, to kill the person who's assaulting you, or, or I'm even worried about if you're in a fight with somebody, and let's say if it's questionable as to whether or not you started the fight or not, if we create a legal situation where it's where it's better for you to kill that person than to not kill that person, I think there's a problem with the law, and I think that's a lot of these so-called stand your ground laws do. I think a lot of these so changes to self-defense laws think that I think you have opened the door to allow people to be able to come to that conclusion and say it is better for me to kill this person than it is for me to risk both of us arguing in court. 
And I think that's a huge can of worms, and, and it's not, I'm not going to say that I necessarily disagree with your stance on it, um, but I, I will say that it's, you know, having been in, in a situation that resulted, and I've been in some pretty ugly situations. So mm-hmm. as, as a matter of realism versus a matter of, uh, like, practice versus um, theory, right? On paper, it all works out, and it should all make sense that it never makes more sense to shoot somebody in the chest than to shoot them in the leg. But the reality is um, you may do just as much damage and make my family homeless because you assaulted me, and I can prove you assaulted me, but because of the way the laws are written, you're going to get away with it. You're going to sue me for everything that I have. And so that, that comes down to, like I said, like a matter of practice versus theory. And there's – I don't know if we'll ever um, – did, did I lose you? No, can you hear me? I, I can hear you now. Okay, yeah. So I don't think it should be easy for anybody to get away with murder. But, I mean, that's why we have a, a justice system, right? That's why we have a judge. That's why the laws aren't just written the way they are and a cop can come and be – judge, jury, and uh, prosecutor, right? So, right. I mean, that's kind of why the system is designed the way it is. I don't think it'll ever be perfect. Um, I do think that it's, it's really important to ask these questions, but it's also more important than, I mean, the law is kind of a means to justice, right? We, we use the law. The laws are written to affect justice to the best of our ability. I mean, the way that I saw it, um, and when I talked to Kyle, he, man, he was not happy about how that situation played out. Nobody wanted anybody i mean he didn't want anybody to die i certainly don't want anybody to die even the nights that i was out there with my rifle i was praying to god that i wasn't going to have to use it right i mean and and i would you would hope that that would be the case and and i hope that there's you know and i guess one of the points is i guess that you know you might not intend people to die but you know he also I don't think he knew the proper how to how, the proper force escalation. I don't think he knew that. I don't. I don't think he. I think he went in underinformed. If you want to, if you want to say that. Um, shoot, I keep trying to share something on the screen, and it keep, I keep resizing things, and it's it's wrong. I, I don't think he. I don't think he under, understood the rules as he, as he should have, or could have um, in this situation. And, and that put himself at risk. I think it put others at risk. I think, I think had he known the rules better, I think maybe people might've not died who would have died. I think he, had he known the responsibility uh, if if people assumed that he was the aggressor um, I think that he he might've known that, well, maybe I need to, if, if I no longer want to fight people, that he needs to be a little more clear and loud and, and, say, hey, I'm not seeking to fight anybody else, whatever. You know, there was an argument that was made, though. He was, he said, he said that he was going to the police. Well, he also said that he didn't shoot anybody. So if he lied about one thing, who's to say he's lied about the other thing? Now, real quick, before we get back to the conversation, um, Single Ride Right wanted to know, uh, wanted to see about the, the text of the law about who can defend property or not. So here, a person is privileged to threaten or intentionally use force against another for the purposes of preventing or terminating what the person reasonably believes to be an unlawful interference with the person's property. Only such degree of force or threat thereof may intentionally be used as the actor reasonably believes is necessary to prevent or terminate the interference 
it is not reasonable to intentionally use force intended or likely to cause death or great bodily harm for the sole purpose of defending one's property. Part two, a person is privileged to defend the third person's property from real or apparent lawful interference by another or under the same conditions by the same means as those under by which the person is privileged to defend his or her own property from real or apparent unlawful interference, provided that the person reasonably believes that the facts would be such that third person privileged to defend his own property, that his or her interventions or property is necessary, and that the third person whose property, the person is protected, and here's the important thing, this the, the, for, the, the and, and that the third person whose property the person is defending is a member of his or her immediate family or household, or a person whose property the person has a legal duty to protect, or is a merchant, merchant and the actor is acting in the merchant's employer agent. An official of an adult employee or agent of a library is, is privileged to defend the property of the library in a manner specified in this subsection. So there you go. So you, there's an and there. So everything has to be true in order for you to be able to defend private property. You can defend a third person's private property, A, if, if, if the same conditions are met from one, um, B, the person reasonably believes that the fact is such that would give the third person the privilege to defend his or her own property, and that, and that his or her intervention is necessary to protect the property of the third person, and C, the third person is a member of his or her immediate family or household, or the property of, or it's the property of the person that the legal has a legal duty to protect, like if it's their child or something, or or maybe he's somebody who owns the business but you know can't do it for mental capacity reasons or whatever, whatever, or is a merchant and actor in the merchant's employer agent. So there you go. You can defend somebody's property if, who's a third person that's not your property, but you have to be a family member of an immediate family member or a, or a member of the household or be legally responsible for that person or be a merchant and the actor is the merchant's employee or agent. Simple as that. And if you're a library, if you're a librarian, you could be Conan the librarian and defend the property. So there it is. So I would like to see, you know, there you go. Think of ride right. I have now cited the law, said that there is only a specific subset of people who can defend a third person's property with force. So, so no. I mean, does that, does that automatically, I mean, whether he, he violated that portion of the law or not, does that automatically implicate him in murder versus self-defense? It, it does not. Um, there was the conversation where I was making the argument that he was doing, that, that it's, you cannot claim self-defense if you're violating the law, um, but you know it was brought up to me by um, Johnny Rocker Dread that you know that there's like sort of how, depends really depends on how tightly coupled the shooting is as compared to the as compared to the legal action uh, that would that would determine whether or not um, he would be that. So his his illegal his, him illegally defending somebody else's third party property um, wasn't necessarily related to the shooting. So th- that might be not yeah, as tightly coupled as other things. But yeah, it's a matter of escalation, right? So it, maybe that's not the event where it started. Maybe the event where it started was where he had a firebomb thrown at him and didn't know what to do. And then he was shot at and didn't know what to do. You know, maybe those were the escalating factors that he was defending from, not necessarily that he was there to protect a business or scrub graffiti or put out fires or act as a medic or whatever the hell else was going on. Um, maybe it was the point when he was shot at or the first time he was assaulted or, you know, whatever the, the case may be. 
and but, so, oh, but, anyway, and, so I, I mean, I only brought that but, up. But, but and, uh, and, 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 and well, let me just, let me just say this point. And, and the point of this podcast was was less to be rehashing other debates that I've made about the Carrot House case, but more to say, you know, my, my, is, is my criticism of well, the fact of the of the two separate states of law, depending on whether or not you're armed or not. There's that there's that criticism that I have of the, that the individual made that said that you know by simply having a gun, you're allowed to you're allowed to consider actions towards you as being a deadly threat when they wouldn't be a deadly threat if you weren't armed. That was one. But two, there's the whole problem with the change in how we deal with um, affirmative defenses in, in this country. So, and how we're moving towards making, forcing the prosecution to prove the negative instead of forcing the, um, instead of forcing the, uh, the defense who raises the affirmative defense to prove the positive. Um, and so if Rittenhouse and his defense team, as it used to be in the old, olden ways of doing things, um, and now appeal to traditions are also in and of themselves logical fallacies. But um, so, so just because we used to do it is not justification to continue doing it. But I have a problem with the fact that we, we've changed the burden of proof, and I'm, I'm trying to explain why. Um, but the Britain House legal team said, yes, we shot these people, but these are the circumstances that we did so. Then, then at that point, the defense team would say, okay, we, we believe he, he had a firebomb thrown at him, and here's the evidence for that. And then they would say there was a gunshot, and Rittenhouse, Kyle Rittenhouse thought that the gunshot that he heard was somebody trying to shoot at him and you know, put all of their ducks in the row and say, these, these are why we're establishing that we believe that it is more likely than not because it was only ever a preponderance of the evidence or um, – or, or, the, or a civil standard that you have to hold, that you have to prove that your life was in danger, that a reasonable person would believe their life's in danger. It's more likely than not, and not beyond reasonable doubt. Um, that was the standard that it was to raise the uh, affirmative defense. Um, and so they could have done all that. And then, and then if they would have done their job and if they would have convinced the jury that these are all reasons why self-defense should be allowed, then the jury would have quit. Or the jury would acquit, even if they weren't proved that it was self-defense. But if there was enough doubt in their minds to say, "Okay, we can't, we can't reach a guilty verdict because there's enough doubt in there. There's enough haziness. We can't, we can't sit here and firmly say that yes, it was, but we can't say that no, it wasn't. So we have to then acquit because if that's where you are, you have to acquit at that point. But that's that. That's my ultimate point: is that because we've changed it to the prosecution now has to prove that there wasn't a firebomb thrown at him. They have to prove that there wasn't, you know, a gunshot at him. They have to prove that it, that to prove that these things weren't things that were, that would justify somebody. It, it, it then makes it that much more easy to, for somebody to get away with an illegal homicide. And I, I think that's problematic. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, we want we want our justice system to carry out justice, right? We also want it to be carried out fairly and applied equally across the board, which, I mean, in many places, Wisconsin and Portland included, it very much is not. Um, but I guess I, I, I mean, originally, when I was kind of I was watching your show, and we were in the comments and stuff, I just wanted to bring the point, you know, some, uh, I want to shed some light on the thought process, right? Because I had been in a in a similar situation in a, a very extreme riot zone. Um, and just to shed light on kind of what my thoughts were when I was in a similar spot as him, everybody that I knew was out there was like, man, I really hope that they just don't come up here. 
nobody nobody wanted any engagement nobody was i mean they were they were there because they were kind of afraid it was going to happen and the building was going to burn down they were going to shoot the owner who sleeps in the back because it's a, a proud boy hangout like it's it's not a fun place to live it's not exciting it's not thrilling for anybody who thinks it's cool to march around with an ar-15 we were there because the police refused to be we, we called I didn't see a cop from 3 p.m. until 1 a.m. when the riot was just about done that night. Mm-hmm. Didn't answer a single call from us. It, it's something different. Um, and, the, and the last, so anyway, I just I wanted to shed, you know, whatever, share whatever I could as far as that one. Maybe, you know, kind of that's what I was thinking. Probably he was thinking some things similar. Uh, and the other thing, too, you know, the way that the defense is, is kind of revealing their cards, all of court is such a circus. Um, there's there's probably a method. There's probably something they're trying to get the prosecution to reveal or to do or an accusation that they want them to make. There's some they're, they're not doing it just to do it. They're kind. They're anticipating a reaction. Um, so that's kind of the whole point of doing, you know, giving little pieces at a time and saying this thing or that thing. And it doesn't make sense on the surface, but you know, three days into the trial, this thing's going to come up and it's going to make sense. You know what I mean? Because all I, yeah, I understand that. I mean, I, I know layperson understanding of the law that, you know, that things that are going to be brought up have to be disclosed. So, I mean, both sides have to know you can't just surprise people with something. You have to, you have to, you know, you have to allow the other person to have their, I mean, everyone who's seen my cousin Vinny knows that, right? Um, right. But it's a matter of like sequence and a matter of framing. Right. And, and so, and I get that there's, it's, it's chess, not checkers. And so they're trying to do all of these things. I'm sure they have their path that they want to take to get to the point that they want to get to. I'm sure the prosecution has their path that they want to take, you know, and I've, you know, I've, I've had disagreements with, with, I think people on both sides of, of what should be allowed, um, especially on, uh, you know, on a Johnny Walker dreads page uh, that, you know, I've, I've, I've said, I believe that the CBS video should be admissible and that each side should be able to argue why it's relevant or not. And then let the jury make up their mind. I think that if the prosecution wants to call uh, the individuals who were shot the victims, I think that both that they should be able to, if they, cause they believe that they're victims because clearly they believe the prosecution believes that Rittenhouse unlawfully killed them, which would make them victims. And then the defense is free to make their arguments as to why they shouldn't to be considered victims because of X, Y, and Z and let the jury decide. And I think that if the, if the defense wants to call the people looters and arsonists and rioters, that the defense should be able to do that. And the prosecution should be able to argue as to whether or not uh, the, the situations that would allow them to be called those things are relevant to whether or not Kyle Rittenhouse is making the decision to use deadly force or not, and let the jury make up their mind when it comes to making up the decision. I, I, but you know, I've also, I also have problems in general with things like standing in court. Like I think that you know sometimes the, when arguments against standing uh, have been made on on nationwide or local issues, that I think too many times people are denied the ability to challenge a law, you know, that they think is unjust simply because of the fact that they lack supposed standing. When I would think that any uh, American citizen, you know, would have, should have the ability to try and, you know, say that a law is unjust or unconstitutional. They shouldn't have to necessarily prove that they themselves are going to be harmed um, with that law. Um, I think, and I think we try and we create a bad system where we can't address our problems with government via the courts by, you know, 
laws that are deemed to be not in our purview or not affecting us, where even though we might believe that the laws are unjust anyway, and well, why should I have to be, why can't I believe that somebody else is going to be harmed to make the argument for them? I mean, that we're supposed to stand up for our neighbors. And I think, I think the people who believe that Kyle Rittenhouse is acting justly and under the, under the law would, would agree that that would argue that that's what he was doing. Um, I think that, um, people who were protesting. Now I'm not going to sit here and defend burning somebody's business down because you're mad about what happened between a police officer and an individual who got killed or shot and injured by a by a police officer. Um, but uh, many of the people that were there um, were there to protest, uh, you know, unjust acts they feel in society, and they want to, you know, they want to fight on behalf of the people who, you know, or other people who, you know, if I show up to a protest you know, uh, on something that's not not related to me, that that should be a good thing, not a bad thing. So generally speaking, I think that we all should be doing things to to help other people and, and be more altruistic. And, you know, we may disagree at the end of the day of uh, of what those, what the better country looks like. Um, but I think we should all yeah, be advocating... Yeah, at the end of the day, there's natural law. Natural law is that you, you can't assault me. You can't inhibit the way that I live my life because of the way that you want to live yours. Um, so you can't force me to do anything. Whether, whether you believe in God or not, that is, that is natural law. That is what separates us from, from animals, frankly. Um, I think V made a couple of good points, one of which is that everybody's talking about Kyle and very, very little about you know what was actually happening, what inspired him to go there, these people who are out burning these buildings down. I mean, how many of them have been prosecuted? Almost zero. In Portland, the release rate for uh, people who were arrested at is like 95%. Um, and he made another good point about the CBS video being admissible, then the criminal background of all of Kyle's attackers should be admissible. And I agree. And I think you'll probably agree on that too, that all of yeah, the evidence I, should be admissible. Yes, I, I think I, I, I absolutely agree with V Radio on that. If if the CVS video is admissible, then the criminal backgrounds of Kyle's attackers should be admissible. Not necessarily saying that, that the jury would find any of those things appropriate, you know, or in their decision-making. Like, they might decide that the CVS video is not something that will convince them to think that Rittenhouse doesn't have the proper view of, of, of whether or not deadly force should be used. Maybe they would say, well, Rittenhouse didn't know about uh, those attackers and what their criminal backgrounds were. And so therefore it shouldn't come into play, but they should still know. I think that they should still be given all the facts that they can be given about pretending to people. I think it's better to give them quote, I guess what, it, I don't know if I would call it too much information, but give, give them more information than give them information that they might not need to make their decision. I think we should err on the, on, the, on the side of giving them more information that they might discard at some point as, as themselves seeing it as being not relevant than giving them too little information to make an informed decision as a jury. Um, so if that means giving them all of, his, all of uh, the three individuals' uh, backgrounds, the, the, two that he, the three that he shot, giving them their backgrounds, okay, give it to them. That means giving them the CVSU, give it to them. That means give them all the information that they could potentially need to make the decision. And then if the jury says, yeah, you know, this, this little bit of extra information that you gave, that you gave us, isn't really all that important uh, to us in making the determination, then fine. You gave them too much information. Oh, well, then that's fine. 
but better, better more than less. That's an interesting point. Um, I'm not a lawyer or a judge. I would contend that probably, I mean, my, my thought is that uh, maybe somebody's looking at that and saying, well, there's six pieces of evidence that are going to prove the same single point. So maybe we just don't worry about like half of them and the jury's going to, you know, they're going to have all of the conclusive evidence, you know, that the prosecutor or the defense or whatever, whoever is trying to present to, to have this point. And they're, they're going to know what that message is and what the um, prosecutor is trying to convey or their defense is trying to convey or whatever. And so maybe that's why they decide, oh, this piece of evidence isn't really necessary. Maybe it's a, I mean, maybe it's a toss of a coin. I don't really know. Um, I, I can't speak on that one per se. I do like, I mean, I, I like both sides of it. I like both sides of the argument. Okay, fair enough. So, but look, I, clearly, I mean, I've, I've been able to glance briefly at some articles uh, pertaining to what uh, what happened with your situation. Um, you know, I haven't, I haven't looked at it too much. I mean, I welcome you whenever, if you ever feel free that you can discuss more of the case is more of the circumstances with your case more fully once things resolve themselves i would be happy to have you back on um if you wanted to discuss that i mean you're happy to call in for any any reason any time i mean i'm fine that too you don't have to we don't have to just make it about you know self-defense or whatever we can talk about whatever if there's any issue that i'm going to talk about that you want to talk about you're more than welcome to call in i i appreciate uh, an opposing view or I, I even appreciate you know sometimes i make it a point there's a conservative show that I listen to in the mornings a lot, and I make it a point sometimes to call in and say, hey, Jeff, we agree with each other on this point. Because um, so, I, I like showing that there, even if we disagree on a lot of things, we can come together and agree on some things as well. Um, you know, I, and again, I, I am ignorant about much of the things that, you know, the article that I'm kind of looking at is, is talking about. Um, but I do want to say my condolences because regardless of whatever happened with your friend, you lost a friend that day and I, I am sorry for your loss. So appreciate that. Um, I think that, uh, I mean, it, I had a, actually had a jujitsu instructor back in Portland and he was like, I mean, probably close to as far left as they come before that would inspire somebody to commit a violent act. Um, mm -hmm. and he was a very dangerous guy, you know, like top level, he's elite level athlete. And we had great conversations because we agreed fundamentally that all men were created equal. And uh, same thing when, when he reached out to me, he introduced himself as a left-leaning, and we agreed that, that people are people and we should all be able to have these conversations. And yet, at some point, it was idiotic to go to the moon. At some point, you know, a car that drove itself without our carriage, without an animal, was idiotic, right? Um, but right. through deliberation, through, through, I mean, through challenging each other, I mean, there's healthy ways to do that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to come back on at some point. We've discussed things we agree on or disagree on. I mean, it sounds like we, we, probably, we probably are each some shade of gray, darker and lighter in other areas. But, uh, I mean, a cohesive society, we should all be able to have those conversations. And I think that's the problem. That's one of the major problems now is that it's so polarized. You're left and I'm right, and therefore we can't be friends or talk about anything. It's not going to get us anywhere. Absolutely. Let me put you on hold a second. I do want to take my second commercial break. And then using gerrymandering, voter suppression, oh, and other nefarious on. tactics. That was the wrong button. I hit the wrong button. 
<laughs> anyway, let me go ahead. We're going to take the next commercial break. I, I, we're going to talk about the Alec Baldwin thing, and we're also going to play the hypocrite of the week after the break as well. Um, but if anybody else wants to call in, it's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. And if, you want to, if you're on hold and you want me to come bring you back on, just give me a message in the chat saying you'd like me to unmute you about the topics that we're talking then. So then, this is Liberal Dane Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Greetings. This is Nimbus Josh, host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life talking about all kinds of things. Political things, nerdy things, fun things, not so fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear and no one else will. <laughs> Catch you on the tune. Do you want to set money aside for a rainy day? Do you want to open an account that will give you a savings bonus each month? What if I told you that you can get both and have a chance to win $10 million? Yada is an FDIC-insured bank, and when you go to yada.liberaldan.com, open an account, and make your first deposit, you will get 100 entries into the next weekly drawing. You will also get entries each week you have a balance. So go to yada.liberaldan.com. That's Y-O-T-T-A dot liberaldan dot com. Using gerrymandering, voter suppression, and other nefarious tactics, the Republican Party has manipulated our electoral system to maintain as much control as possible despite being a party in the minority. Liberal Dan Radio seeks to change that, and I need your help in doing so. Liberal Dan Radio has partnered with Levelfield to help us use tools that are typically only available to big money donors. When you go to stopthecoup.liberaldan.com and make your contribution, it will encourage other voters to reach out to their legislators to pass legislation to stop gerrymandering and voter suppression and target elected officials who refuse to protect the vote. Every eligible voter should be able to cast a ballot, and that ballot should have the same power as everyone else. I can't do this alone. I need your help. So please go to stopthecoup.liberaldan.com and make your contribution today. That's stopthecoup.liberaldan.com. Stopthecoup.liberaldan.com. Political advertising paid for by Level Field. Contributions are not tax deductible as charitable contributions. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left. That's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. Um, we can go back to some of the uh, Rittenhouse things um, if I deem like I'm not just repeating myself or beating a dead horse. Um, but uh, yes, it's it's okay. Uh, for you to to listen on on hold, it's fine. Uh, anyway, I do want to go ahead and uh, play this week's hypocrite of the week as well. It's 
not somebody political this time, but here we go. This week's Hypocrite of the Week is Dave Chappelle, who walked away from his popular Comedy Central show in part because he felt like people were laughing at the expense of black people. In his new Netflix stand-up special, Dave Chappelle makes jokes at the expense of trans folk. If you don't like people laughing at the expense of your group, but then tell jokes at the expense of others, that's pure 100% grade-A hypocrisy. To see who next week's Hypocrite of the Week will be, tune in to Liberal Day and Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. And there you go. This week's Hypocrite of the Week is Dave Chappelle. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I have not watched the entirety of the special, but I have seen enough jokes from the special to see that he absolutely uh, made jokes at the expense of some trans, at trans folks in general. Um, and so if he didn't like the fact that, you know, he, you see some, one of the reasons, I mean, he was mad about some money issues as well. And that was part of the reason, but the other reason was he's, he come out and said, look, I saw the cameraman and he was white. I think it was the cameraman and the white cameraman was, was laughing at something. And I didn't like the way that he was laughing at, laughing at the jokes that I was making or the thing that I said, because I didn't think that was what I was, the point that I was trying to get across. And he was just finding it, finding it too funny, I guess. So by finding it too funny, he felt that he was laughing at the expense of black people, and that's why he decided to end his very popular show. And that's fine. He's welcome to do that. I, I respect that part. If, if he felt that he was not getting the right uh, messaging across and that he wasn't uh, – and people were laughing at the wrong things and he was helping to perpetuate things that he wanted to fight uh, using comedy, then by all means, cancel your show. Fine. But just don't then do the same thing to other people because, again – that makes you a hypocrite. So uh, one thing I do want to talk about uh, before we end the show today, and, and, and we're going to, again, try to not make it a three-hour show again. I mean, sometimes we go three hours. It, it usually used to be just a one-hour show, uh, but, you know, I'm glad to have people on, to have the debates on, on the issues over uh, these 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 topics at hand. And um, But I'll be remiss if I missed talking about what happened with Alec Baldwin. And the first thing I'll say about the Alec Baldwin thing is we don't know enough about what happened to fully make up our minds on what went on. Um, clearly, there was a live round. There, there apparently were live rounds that got mixed in. Um, somebody messed up. Uh, do I believe that Alec Baldwin specifically uh, targeted this individual to shoot that person and used this whole setup just to do that? No. There's some interesting conspiracy theories out there that are trying to promote, you know, things. there are also some funny comments like, you know, always shoot your shot unless you're Alex Baldwin or whatever. There's some funny jokes that can be made about it. Um, and, and generally speaking, you know, I've, I've shot guns before. Um, uh, the first time I picked up or the second time I picked up a rifle, uh, was at Boy Scout camp. I got a 49 out of 50. Um, I think I got a 41 out of 50. The first time I shot the rifle, I, I, did pretty darn good when it comes to shooting my shot uh, when it came to that um, relatively good aim uh, on my behalf. And then I've had friends who do own weapons and do own guns. And uh, they, when they were showing me the guns that they had, and they brought me to the range um, back when I was in high school, uh, you know, I don't think they would have ever took me to a, to a riot <laughs> to, to, to play to defend somebody else's property at 17 years old. That's for sure. Um, but the, um, I was actually a better shot with my friend's new rifle than he was, but they also always taught me, you know, 
proper ways on how to handle the guns that they were allowing me to shoot. Um, and so there are general, you know, gun safety processes, you, you know, always treat a gun as if it's loaded, um, you know, proper trigger discipline, et cetera. I talked about that earlier in the show, but, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, generally speaking, when you're, when you're handling your own personal weapons, that you're doing so in a way that's the most safe as possible. Now, here's the thing. There are industry standards when it comes to handling guns on set. Um, and oftentimes state law will defer to the industry standards to make sure that the people are following the rules and doing it the right way. Um, and then if I guess something bad happens and it goes under the, the laws at, at place, you know, whether you're negligent or not, et cetera, whatever. Um, but if you're, you know, if, if you're going to be following a set of guidelines and, and, and if individuals are certain, have certain responsibilities in implementing those guidelines, then, you know, it, it's not necessarily going to be Baldwin's fault if the armorer and or the assistant director who's responsible for these things mess up or hopefully not if they purposely did things, you don't know if they did or not. And I don't know if they did or not. Is it possible that there was a purposeful bad actor in this situation? Maybe. I don't know. We don't know. They're still investigating what's, what's going on. And so we don't know who is uh, ultimately responsible for this. But I think there's a lot of people who are trying to assert how, the, the, how an individual would handle should be handling a gun following proper gun safety protocols and how a movie set or a television set would follow their gun safety protocols when dealing with shots where you have guns that are being used that are firing off blanks and why do they use why can't they just do it in post that's the correct word to say why can't they just have a fake toy gun and you know point it and then have somebody CGI in the, the, the sounds and the effects. Well, people say, well, it's expensive. Well, again, you shouldn't be putting lives ahead of money. You, you should be human safety should be paramount. Uh, or if you're not paramount, whatever other producer or production company you are, um, but you know, I think some people said that to get a a movie style replica type of like automatic rifle um, that would look and act and behave in a way that would, you know, make people think, oh, that's a real rifle, but it's not a real rifle. Um, a lot of times movies will buy, take the cheaper version, which is to buy the real rifle, use the blanks and then, um, and then sell those rifles I don't know if they sell for more because they were on set. Hey, you can own this rifle that was held by so-and-so, this famous famous pants. He, he's used this rifle in this movie. We'll give you a certificate of authenticity, and we'll sell the gun for five times as worth and make back lots of, lots of money. I don't know. But I'm hoping that this situation specifically um, – does make the movie industry take or television production industry or whoever you're producing a film or TV show, whatever special documentary, whatever. If you're, if you're, if you're going to be using guns and you're going to be having guns in the scene, make sure to do it safely and properly. And under, maybe there should really take time to look into 
those specific set of guidelines that they do set up in uh, these movies and TV show production sets and make sure that they're being done properly. And because I'm sure someone's going to get punished for this. It's just a matter of who. Let's see. Do, 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 do. Grim says, it's too bad, going back to the hypocrite of the week, too bad he didn't watch the whole special. It was apparent to me that the show was a eulogy to his trans friend. And look, you can have a eulogy to your trans friend. I'm just saying, I've heard from trans people, and and since I'm not a trans person, I can talk. I, I don't talk for them. I try to amplify what they tell me. And so a lot of what I've seen from the people that I know who are trans were that is that his uh, words, his jokes that he made were that went above and beyond it just being a eulogy to his friend who happened to be trans um, were, were either not his jokes to tell or were done at the expense of trans people. And maybe you can do too. You can have a eulogy to your friend and also be insensitive to other trans people. Um I did a video about what the trans activist said to Caitlyn Jenner. And there was some horrible things that were said about Caitlyn Jenner. Um, you know, people treating Caitlyn Jenner poorly because of her politics. And, you know, you can, you know, I try and be as cordial. Obviously, I think I've proven that today, or at least given some evidence that I do try and have conversations with folks who I disagree with about politics. I, I like to believe that I do so in a way that, that is as respectful as I could possibly be. Um, and, you know, but I can, I can, I can be critical of Caitlyn Jenner's politics without being insensitive about her gender. So, and, and unfortunately we have, we see too many times, too many times we see people who would treat Caitlyn Jenner by dead naming her by using the incorrect pronouns, but you know, and, and doing it from the side of the people that normally agree with Caitlyn Jenner's politics. But then it's also bad when you have the people who, who are dead naming her and, and being, you know, saying transphobic things who are in and of themselves, you know, typically people who would be supportive of trans rights, but who are being mean and evil because, they have a disagreement on opinion on policy. And it's a problem. It's a problem when the right does it. It's a problem when the left does it. Um, good grief. Here we go again, overreacting about firearms again. It's the whole, you know, there are, there are enough one shooting on one death on the set because of a gun mishap is too many, but you get, start getting enough of them where it's like, maybe you need to re- revisit your, maybe you need to revisit your rules. Maybe you need to revisit how you're approaching gun safety on set. Let's see. Um, trans activists literally said that Caitlyn Jenner was still a man. And, so I, I got, and that's wrong of them. And, you know, I don't have time to call it every single piece of hypocrisy and my hypocrite of the week. Uh, but those are the examples of the people who I would call out as being hypocritical as well are the people who would be very angry if you deadnamed them or if you misgendered them, but they go ahead and misgender and deadname uh, another trans woman just because that trans woman happens to be a conservative. 
It's, it's ridiculous and it's hypocrisy. And I call that out on my show all the time. Um, Daily News, if the trans community doesn't like Chappelle's humor jokes, then they should find another community to laugh at them. I mean, that's, you know, yeah, turn it. But see, that's the thing. It's like sometimes when they do that and they say they're going to do that, then, oh, it's cancel culture. It's cancel culture. Well, no, it's, it's, you have every right. I, they have every right in a, in a country where we have the right of free speech. They have every right to voice their opinion about Dave Chappelle. And if they say, well, we're no longer going to be, and they have every right to say, well, we're not going to subscribe to Netflix anymore because I don't want to help pay for this type of content. And that's their right to do so as well. Oh, but it's cancel culture. No, it's consequences for your actions. And if enough people speak up with their dollars and say, I'm not going to do Netflix anymore because y'all are supporting this type of thing that I oppose, then they're going to either, they're going to eat it or they're going to, or they're going to say, okay, well, not enough people have canceled and then more, maybe more people have joined in. So we're fine with it. Let people speak with their dollars. That's fine. I'm fine with that. Um, Dan, is it against the law to be hypocritical? No, clearly it's not. Um, I, <laughs> people are hypocritical all the time. I mean, I could point to probably every single senator, and I've pointed at every single senator at one point uh, during the whole filibuster hypocrisy uh, when you had Republicans threatening to use the filibuster way back in the day. Um, and the Democrats were like, well, that's not or, – or to use the nuclear option to break the filibuster – and the Democrats were like, you can't do that. That's not fair. Blah, 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 blah. And then the Republicans uh, or the Democrats, because the Democrats were trying to filibuster, I think, when George Bush was president, George W. Bush was president. And then you had the Democrats retook control of the Senate. And, well, we want to pass these, these nominations. So we're going to use a nuclear option that we previously said where it was terrible. And then the Republicans were like, well, no, you can't do that. But, you threatened, but they threatened to do it. So, yeah. I, I, I once and on this podcast and blog talk radio seems to have lost a bunch of my audio, which, you know, pissed me off. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, there is an episode out there or at least was an episode out there where I called for the removal or for the for voting out of every single every single person in the Senate, Democrat, Republican or what have you, regardless of who they were, what party they were from. They all were complicit in the hypocrisy of over the filibuster and as such. Uh, deserve to be yeeted in modern parlance of our youth. Um, See, you may not be fine with it, but the left or trans community clearly are not fine with it. I mean, if if they speak out, I mean, I'm fine with them speaking out and saying, hey, we're not going to, we're going to vote with our dollars. We're going to not, we're going to, and we're going to speak out against Netflix. And it's their right to do so. They have every right to be critical of Netflix. They have every right to speak up and say, hey, we we don't believe that this is that this is a way that people should be talking about trans people. Now, some of them may very well have been hypocritical by complaining about what Chappelle did, but then talking, you know, misgendering Caitlyn Jenner. So, and that, that's hypocrisy too, and that that weakens their argument clearly because you you want to be able to have clean hands to be able to make those claims. So, you want to be able to. Have clean hands, so to speak. Anyway, let's go ahead. We are going to call an end to this week's episode of Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. I appreciate every one of you for joining us tonight. I, I hope you come back and join us for future episodes. Uh, please remember to like the video uh, or dislike it if you disagree with it. It's fine. Or <clears throat> go ahead and subscribe to the channel to, let you, to be no- notified whenever I go live again. But it is every Wednesday, typically, 
8 p.m. Central, blogtalkradio.com slash LibertyLand. You can subscribe to me at LibertyLand Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash LibertyLand. Uh, I have a TikTok at LibertyLand Radio as well over there. Um, I'm on LibertyLand Radio here on YouTube. Until next week, this is Dan Zimmerman with LibertyLand Radio. Talk to the left, that's right. And remember, stop the tune at LibertyLand.com. Help out my project. It's top of the two. Thank you very much. Have a good rest of your week.